0: We need to make some noise. We need to find a way to get in the way. We need to find a way to get in good trouble, necessary trouble, if we're going to save America.
1: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I don't. I got the feeling there's something
2: right. It ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm down the stairs Clowns to the left of me Jokers to the right Here I am Stuck in the middle with you Yep Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is the broadcast As I heard on KPFK 90.7 do. FM it's in LA so 98.7 in Santa Barbara 93.7 in San Diego 99.5 in, in Ridgecrest and China Lake We're also heard in Red Bluff and Redding, California, on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, down in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, in Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Jamesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, in, uh, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, Sandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. The now late civil rights icon John Lewis famously said, I suspect more than once, and as a matter of fact, as I go to air, I see someone retweeting him saying it, uh, even as uh, I speak here. Uh, He said, uh, do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful. Be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never, never ever be afraid to make some noise and get in trouble, good trouble, necessary trouble. That was uh, John Lewis uh, again uh, last year in one of his tweets, and I suspect he has said it uh, many times over the years. Congressman John Lewis, who went from being the youngest leader of the 1963 March on Washington to a long-serving congressman from Georgia and icon of the civil rights movement, died late on Friday. Now long, uh, well, it happened long after we, uh, not long after, I should say, after we got off air from our Friday show. John Lewis was 80 years old in December of 2019. He was diagnosed with advanced pancreatic cancer. As a leader of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, Lewis was a committed participant in some of the key moments of the early civil rights movement. An original freedom rider back in 1961, he courageously risked arrest and even his life in attempting to desegregate the South by forcing the federal laws... Uh, Meant to do so, meant to desegregate the South, uh, forcing them to be enforced. He was a principal speaker at the March on Washington in 1963, one of those brutally clubbed during a 1965 march for voter registration rights in Selma, Alabama. And through it all, he faced taunts and beatings and dozens of arrests. By his middle years, he was in Congress and sometimes referred to as its conscience, Tributes, of course, have been pouring in since his passing on Friday. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said late Friday, today America mourns the loss of one of the greatest heroes of American history, Congressman John Lewis, the conscience of the Congress. President Barack Obama said when awarding Lewis the Medal of Freedom in 2011, generations from now, when parents teach their children what is meant by courage, the story of John Lewis will come to mind an American who knew that change could not wait for some other person or some other time whose life is a lesson in the fierce urgency of now. Lewis was a lion in the civil rights movement, whose bloody beating by Alabama state troopers in 1965 as he led a march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge for voting rights in Alabama helped galvanize opposition to racial segregation. Pelosi said, may his memory be an inspiration that moves us all to, in the face of injustice, make good trouble, necessary trouble, which for decades Lewis called for and inspired in many of us. Lewis was the youngest and last survivor last survivor of the so-called Big Six civil rights adv- activists, a group that was led by Reverend Martin Luther King, Jr. Lewis was best known, uh, as noted, for leading some 600 protesters in what became known as the Bloody Sunday March in Selma. When at age 25, walking at the head of the march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, Lewis was knocked to the ground and beaten by police. His skull was fractured. And nationally televised images of the brutality finally forced the country's attention on racial oppression in the South. Within days, Reverend King led more marches in the state, and President Lyndon Johnson soon was pressing Congress to pass the Voting Rights Act. The bill became law later that year, removing barriers that had barred blacks from voting for decades in this country after they had supposedly been granted the right to vote. President Obama said upon Lewis's passing, quote, he loved this country so much that he risked his life and its blood so that it might live up to its to its promise. Early on, he embraced the principles of nonviolent resistance and civil disobedience as the means to bring about real change in this country, said Obama. Lewis joined King and four other civil rights leaders in organizing the 1963 march on Washington. He spoke to the vast crowd just before Martin Luther King delivered his I have a dream speech in his own speech, Lewis vowed, quote, by the forces of our demands, our determination and our numbers, we shall splinter the segregated South into a thousand pieces and put them together in an image of God and democracy. I guess that fight to uh, put them back together in an image of democracy, at least, continues today. His potent words were nonetheless almost immediately and forever overshadowed by the words of King, the man who had inspired Lewis to activism. That activism never ended and inspired one generation after another after him. His work has, in fact, inspired ours for many years on this program and at Bradblog.com. Here's Lewis at age 72, some 50 years after initially inspiring a nation, continuing to inspire the good fight during an address at, uh, in April of 2012 at Merritt College in Oakland, California, as the congressman encouraged the audience to find a way to get in the way, to get into good trouble, to continue the work of expanding civil rights in the United States for all.
0: When people visit Montgomery, visit Tuskegee, Visit Birmingham, I saw those signs that said white men, colored men, white women, colored women, white waiting, colored waiting. As a young child, I tasted the bitter fruits of segregation and racial discrimination, and I didn't like it. I've asked my mother, my father, my grandparents, my great grandparents. Why segregation? Why racial discrimination? And they would say, that's the way it is. Don't get in the way, don't get in trouble. But one day in 1955, at the age of 15, in the 10th grade, I heard about Rosa Parks. I heard Dr. King speaking on all old radio. The leadership of Dr. King, his words, The action of Rosa Parks inspired me to find a way to get in the way. I got in trouble. It was good trouble. It was necessary trouble. I have the feeling that here today, we're too quiet. We're too quiet. We need to make some noise. We need to find a way to get in the way. We need to find a way to get in good trouble, necessary trouble, if we're going to save America and create the beloved community. We can do it. Almost died on that bridge. I gave a little blood. And I'm not tired. I'm not anyway tired. And none of us, not one of us, can afford to be tired. Don't get wary. Hang in there. We got to hang in there.
2: That was Congressman John Lewis uh, in April of 2012 speaking at Merritt College. Uh, if he's not tired, Even though I feel exhausted today, if he's not tired uh, at that point, then uh, we all have to keep going. We all have to somehow be not tired. We all have to continue to hang in there, and we hope to continue getting in good and necessary trouble in the bargain. NPR's Don Gagne quoted Congressman Lewis from the last time that he saw him speak in 2018. Uh, During the midterm campaigns, as uh, he showed up uh, at a church in Cincinnati to campaign for a Democratic congressional candidate that Sunday morning, he said, according to Gagne, you know, I gave a little blood for the right to vote. Almost died on that bridge in Selma. I'm not going to stand by and see the people take the vote from us. We have to use it. If we fail to use it, we will lose it. As noted, Congressman Lewis and his office over the years have always been both uh, helpful and inspirational to our work on this program and at the blog. And while there have been many uh, tributes to John Lewis over the past few days, over the weekend, and undoubtedly many more to come as he is laid to rest in power in the days ahead, I believe that our best tribute to him here... Is to continue the work that uh, he has inspired, particularly for voting rights, particularly at a moment when they are now more imperiled than they have been for a generation in this country. All of it on the precipice of the most critical election in this nation in modern times and perhaps in all of its brief but storied history. To that end, on last uh, Thursday's broadcast, I believe it was, we caught up with a blizzard of incoming stories on the ongoing fights for voting rights across the nation. If you missed that show, you can download it at Bradblog.com. But even with the bulk of our show that day uh, devoted to voting rights, we still could not get to everything now underway, not by a long shot. So I sort of want to pick up on a few more of those stories today, particularly here in California, where the fight for voting rights and the right to cast a ballot And to have that ballot counted in a way that we can know that it has been counted as cast is too often overlooked. Well, it's California. Everything's fine out there. It's going to go blue anyway. We don't have to worry about a thing, right? No, not right.
0: No, definitely not right. Hi, Des. Hi. I just thought I'd chime in. I'm glad you did. Thank you. It's really important. People need to understand that there is so much more to election administration. It's not just partisan election officials. It's also stuff that voters can do to take care of themselves. Well,
2: there's a lot of attention put onto the swing states, of course, in a presidential election. But I'm under the belief that every vote matters, period. No matter where it's cast, no matter if it's a so-called red state, a so-called blue state, And uh, given that so much of what happens in elections here in California is later followed by much of the country, uh, we mustn't overlook those fights here in California, even though it's considered a so-called safe state. To that end, I want to catch up on some of what we've learned in just the past few months following our own March 3rd Super Tuesday primary disaster here in California, particularly here in Los Angeles. That was one of the last big election days to take place before the coronavirus crisis set in hard. And with it, The need to expand vote by mail across the state and indeed across the country to avoid uh, forcing voters to confront the shameless choice of having to choose between risking their lives to vote in person at polling places or lose their right to vote altogether. That is the choice that is being given to many voters now across the country. We will also be joined in a bit by a great election integrity advocate here in California who is helping to lead the fight for public oversight of election results across the state, especially now that California will automatically be sending uh, absentee vote-by-mail ballots to all active registered voters this this November to help avoid the dangers of in-person voting at the polling place. Uh, But that fight is also one that should take place in every state in this country, in the country this year. The fight to oversee our results. So no matter where you are, you'll want to stay tuned for that conversation coming up shortly. Uh, While there are currently lawsuits now happening all across the country being filed by voting rights advocates and sometimes the Democratic Party itself to expand vote by mail, uh, for example, Brad Blog's own legal analyst, Ernie Canning, wrote about one such uh, suit that is currently underway in Connecticut, filed by the League of Women Voters and the ACLU. Uh, uh, the, you can read the article from Friday there. In Connecticut, a state with Democratic leadership, but still absurdly restrictive mail-in ballot rules. Um, you can read about that at bradblog.com. But there are also lawsuits being filed by opponents of voting rights, and yes, the Republican Party itself, in order to try and block the expansion of vote by mail this year and to make it harder and more dangerous and deadly to vote, even in the middle of a deadly pandemic. On Thursday, one of the cases that we discussed was a ruling by a court in the state of Michigan which ruled that absentee votes there that arrive after the close of polls on Election Day may not be included in the final results. I mean, it was an absurd ruling that will hopefully be appealed because in 2018, Michigan voters uh, statewide elected, adopted, a state constitutional amendment to allow mail-in voting in the 40 days before the election. But the judge's absurd ruling last week determined that even if that right to vote by mail was correctly carried out at any time during those 40 days, including by postmarking one's mail-in ballot on or before Election Day, well, there's a 91-year-old statute in uh, Michigan law that says that votes that arrive after the close of polls, may not be counted. And that that is somehow the controlling statute here. That obviously was not the intent of the state voters when they approved this expanded vote by mail in 2018 and said that you can vote by mail any time during the 40 days before the election. And yes, that means if you put it in the day before the election or the day of election, and it's postmarked on election day, you're allowed to vote. But You're not allowed to have your vote counted. That's what the judges right now in Michigan have decided. If that ruling stands, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of ballots in Michigan this year may go uncounted altogether this November in a state which reportedly flipped its presidential vote to the Republicans for the first time in decades in 2016 by just over 10,000 votes for Donald Trump. So it's obviously a ridiculous ruling, but it is these sorts of rulings, these, this sort of oversight, these sorts of challenges to the election laws that could very well make a difference in whether Donald Trump serves for another four years as president. Uh, And sadly, it's not just states with Republican-controlled legislatures like Michigan, which refuse to change their statutes and, uh, you know, process their their processes to allow people to vote safely this year. Nor is it where uh, the only place where vote-by-mail ballots too often go uncounted. And this is why we've got to fight like hell during these ongoing democracy wars, because none of this is going to be easy. Even here in California, as much as I hate to say it, but it's why we're here. According to AP, for example, last week, more than 100,000 mail-in ballots were rejected by California election officials during our March Super Tuesday presidential primary. That, according to data obtained by the Associated Press, highlighting a glaring gap in the state's effort to ensure that every vote is counted. With the coronavirus pandemic raging, AP reports, California is part of a growing number of states, increasing mail-in balloting to avoid crowds at the polling places. But while polling places include workers who can assist people who have questions about filling out ballots, a voter does not have that same support at home when they're voting by mail. And so, yes, problems arise. The California Secretary of State's election data obtained by AP showed 102,428 mail-in ballots were disqualified in the state's 58 counties in March, about one and a half percent of the nearly seven million mail-in ballots that were returned. That percentage is the highest in a primary since 2014, and the overall number is the highest in a statewide election since 2010. Two years ago, the national average of rejected mail ballots in the general election was about 1.4 percent. And in the 2016 presidential election, it was about 1 percent, according to the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission. So unfortunately, while this year was higher, it's not unusual for this many ballots to be rejected, even in California, uh, if not necessarily to suppress the vote, as we have seen in some of the GOP-controlled states out there. In California, the most common problem by far was missing the deadline for the ballot to be mailed and arrived. To count in the election, ballots must be postmarked on or before Election Day and then received within three days after Election Day. Now, that's been changed a little bit. I'll get to that in a moment. But in March, statewide, more than 70,000 ballots missed those marks So that was the bulk of the problem, the ballots coming in too late. And that was, uh, well, largely voters' faults, at least in cases where the ballots weren't postmarked by Election Day. Um, But then there were cases where the mail may have been slow. And we spoke last week with Lisa Graves, who's uh, reported on uh, 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 Charles Koch's 50-year effort, basically, to privatize the post office. And as part of that effort now that is becoming more and more successful by the day, Donald Trump has uh, appointed his own postmaster general who has instructed all letter carriers to, yes, slow down their delivery of the mail. Just 106 days now before the November 3rd election, but who's counting? Back to California here, another 27,500 either did not have a signature on the ballot, so they just forgot, again, voter error or confusion, or the signature purportedly did not match the one on record for the voter. The data didn't break down the uncounted ballots by party registration, so we don't know if, if one party was more affected than another. But while the overall number was large in March, um if it's the same in November it's they AP says it's unlikely to affect the presidential race because Trump lost to Hillary Clinton by more than 4.3 million votes but it could affect many close races and it's likely to be a much higher number given the fact that all of the uh, active registered voters in the state will now be mailed a vote-by-mail ballot this year because of the COVID crisis. There are expected to be at least several tightly contested U.S. races where relatively few votes could end up tipping the balance. In 2018, for example, Democrat T.J. Cox upset Republican David Valadeo by less than 1,000 votes in the Central Valley. They may have uh, they do have a rematch in November. Local races sometimes are decided by just a handful of votes. So in preparation for November, the state is launching a ballot tracking tool that will quickly alert voters if they need to take action. That's good. Action like a missing signature and give them a chance to come in and sign their uh, vote by mail ballot even after Election Day. Another change, the state is extending the window for mail-in ballots to arrive to 17 days after Election Day. That's good, given that the bulk of these untallied ballots were those that came in too late. Uh, They were postmarked on time, many of them, but they came in more than three days after the election. So that will help a lot, extending it to 17 days. Hopefully, if Trump's postmaster general continues to slow down the mail, hopefully he can't slow it down that much. Even though he himself voted by mail this year, Donald Trump has called mail-in voting a terrible thing. He says it's prone to abuse, warning without evidence that, quote, you get thousands and thousands of people sitting in somebody's living room signing ballots all over the place. Yeah, well, Trump, who voted illegally himself by absentee ballot this year in Florida, I guess he knows something about absentee fraud, but not much. The scenario that he describes is not the problem with absentee ballots. The fact that they can go so easily uncounted, however, is a very real problem. And not just in California, but all over the country. Research by the Nonpartisan California Voters Foundation found that an average of nearly two of every 100 mail-in ballots were voided in statewide elections between 2010 and 2018 in California, Last March, the highest rejection rate in California was in San Francisco, where nearly 5% of the total was set aside. In L.A. County, nearly 2,800 ballots were nullified because the voter forgot to sign it, then couldn't be found to fix the error. Statewide, that careless mistake spiked nearly 13,000 ballots. So please, people, please Remember to sign your ballots this year here in California or anywhere where you are casting them by mail.
0: Yeah, and and it's important to also remind people that you know, your friends and family, the people that you love, that you want to vote. Remind them, too, that sometimes these absentee ballot rules are kind of complicated and they need to pay very close attention.
2: So this is just some of the reason why it is uh, important to pay attention to the details when it comes to voting. And it's also another uh, reason that it's important to have in-person voting available as well, Uh, because a lot of people may not, they may screw up their absentee ballot. They may not feel comfortable uh, mailing it at the last minute. They may be new voters who are just registering for the first time, so they never got a mail-in ballot. They may have moved. There's all sorts of reasons why we need to continue our in-person voting as well. And uh, to that end, uh, before our coverage of the uh, disastrous March 3rd Super Tuesday primaries here in L.A. County was rudely interrupted by the coronavirus, we were reporting, often exclusively, on the disastrous performance of L.A. County's brand new $300 million touchscreen voting system and the electronic poll book system that was used along with it countywide in the nation's most populous voting jurisdiction. This was in early March. It led to three, four, five hour lines here in LA County, and voters were unable to cast a vote at all in many cases in the bargain. After that meltdown, the LA County Board of Supervisors who had approved the system that we had warned against, uh, along with uh, they approved it, along with California's Democratic Secretary of State Alex Padilla, he approved it despite years of warnings about exactly what ended up happening from myself. And, frankly, a too small handful of election security and voting systems experts, mostly just me, complaining, whining, warning. Uh, Well, the the county, the L.A. county, after that disaster, mandated that the L.A. county registrar, recorder, county clerk, Dean Logan, that he create a post-mortem report on the problem and what he planned to do about it before this November. Well, one definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Well, guess what we're doing here in Los Angeles County this November? Yep, instead of getting rid of those terrible, unverifiable, computerized touchscreen ballot marking devices and electronic poll books that failed so miserably and disenfranchised so many people on March 3rd, well, looks like we're going to just do it all again instead of moving to a simple, verifiable, hand-marked paper ballot system at the polls. Now, hopefully some of the problems that we saw in March are going to be eased because there'll be so many more uh, vote-by-mail ballots going out. On the other hand, there are going to be a lot more voters. What happened in March was completely predictable. In fact, I had been predicting and warning about disasters like the one that happened uh, with the system dubbed VSAP or voting solutions for all people. I'd been warning about it pretty much for the last entire 10 years that it had been in development. Few seemed to care until just before the March election, after we reported that the system had failed certification testing by the state on more than 40 different points. Nonetheless, it was certified by the Secretary of State anyway. Now, following the March 3rd disaster, L.A. County ordered this new report from Dean Logan, the system's brainchild. Uh, He stopped coming onto the broadcast, by the way, or even answering any of my questions about the new system in the months leading up to Election Day. But they asked him to investigate himself on what went wrong and what needs to be done about it. Ultimately, he issued a 135-page report in the middle of the worst of the uh, coronavirus pandemic. In short... The report says, well, here's what we think went wrong, and here's how we're going to fix it for next time. We'll take care of it by November. Don't worry. Trust us, just like you did last time. What he should have said was, we're sorry. We screwed up. We wasted $300 million in taxpayer money, so we're going to trash the incredibly complicated, flawed, and wholly unverifiable voting system. And their vulnerable electronic poll books that disenfranchise thousands of LA voters on March 3rd. We're going to restore the thousands of precincts that we foolishly shut down in favor of voting centers, and we're going to move back to a simple, inexpensive, verifiable, hand marked paper ballot system at all community accessible polling places for this year's critical general election. But he did not say that. He did not say that at all. And why the L.A. County Board of Supervisors is not now demanding that, I couldn't tell you. Why California Secretary of State Alex Padilla is not demanding that, I could not tell you. Except that all of them had been all in for years with this system, with Logan and the new VSAP system. So nobody apparently is being held accountable for anything. Instead, L.A. County voters are going to once again be guinea pigs for uh, for beta testers for Dean Logan's obscenely expensive, already failed new system. We're going to be beta testers, guinea pigs on November 3rd. Maybe it'll work. Maybe we won't, Maybe it won't. Who knows what could possibly go wrong? One saving grace may be that the governor has ordered all of these uh, absentee ballots to go out, but who knows In the weeks prior to the March 3rd election, I was interviewed by CBS 2 LA's David Goldstein about these concerns about the new system. When he asked me how much confidence voters should have in it, I answered bluntly, quote, none. Logan, the registrar, was also interviewed in that same report. He was asked the same question. His answer, as seen on CBS 2's investigative report next to mine, was, quote, voters can have a great deal of confidence. Well, you can decide uh, who called that one correctly. But Goldstein called me up a few weeks ago uh, recently to ask me to join him for a quick follow-up interview via FaceTime regarding Logan's post-mortem report where he basically said, yeah, some stuff went wrong, but we're going to fix it. Here's that follow-up report with uh, David Goldstein. Apologies for my lousy uh, audio via iPhone.
0: The L.A. County Registrar's Office is promising changes after an investigation criticizing its new election machines. And our David Goldstein broke the story about the voting problems, and he joins us tonight with a look at what a new report reveals.
3: The report put the blame on the electronic poll books that are used to check in voters, but critics say the entire system can be faulted with the presidential elections right around the corner.
2: I think we're just in as much trouble this November 3rd as we were on March 3rd.
3: The trouble in March led to long lines of the polls. And questions about the registrar's computerized machines, which cost taxpayers more than $300 million. The report was ordered by the Board of Supervisors. It found longer wait times primarily resulted from technical issues with the electronic poll books that are used to check in voters, saying they had issues synchronizing data with the voter database. It put less blame on the actual voting machines, but found more than 5% had to be taken out of service because they failed. Radio talk show host Brad Friedman is a critic of electronic machines
2: it doesn't really matter which computer failed if people can't vote. And that's what happened on March 3rd, and I suspect that's what's going to happen again on November 3rd.
3: L. A. County Registrar Dean Logan said we are heads down, all hands on deck, working to address the action plans in our report. More poll books will be added in November and technical issues addressed, But Friedman says it's still an experimental machine that's prone to problems.
2: It's kind of insane. We are using the voters of L.A. County as guinea pigs in the middle of a beta test for a system that should have never been used in the first place. But
3: the machines will be used in November. The registrar says more poll workers will be added, and hopefully the technical
2: issues will be resolved. David Goldstein, CBS2 News. It's like we never learn. It's like we never learn. It's insane. A few days after that report, uh, David Goldstein at uh, CBS2LA called me again uh, with uh, news that a, a civil grand jury had also been investigating the matter of what went wrong here in L.A., and they issued a scathing report demanding answers from Dean Logan, and they called itself the Maybe I Voted Committee, Uh, They found one problem after another. They found that uh, uh, Dean Logan would not respond to their questions. They found that the state, uh, Alex uh, Padilla's office, Secretary of State, would also not answer any of their questions. And they found that these problems uh, had been going on for some time, even during testing, when the system was first tried in a limited election last November, giving voters a choice at the time at the polling place, which they no longer have, between the new unverifiable touchscreens and the old hand-marked IncaVote system. Well, most voters chose the old hand-marked paper ballot system. Then there was a mock election in 2020, and many of the exact same failures that we saw on Election Day, March 3rd, had already revealed themselves during that mock election. The committee recommends that in addition to the mail-in option, the registrar have an alternate means of voting throughout the county for the next three general elections, meaning hand-marked paper ballots at the polling place. CBS uh, cbs 2 LA's David Goldstein called me for an interview on the civil grand jury report as well. Here's that report from CBS 2's 5 o'clock news late last month. The
3: civil grand jury is the watchdog of LA County. Unlike a criminal grand jury which may bring charges, this one looked at the implementation of the county's new voting machines and found some critical problems. Really. Pretty skating. THE TITLE OF THE REPORT SUMS IT UP, MAYBE I VOTED. THE GRAND JURY INVESTIGATED THE NEW ELECTRONIC VOTING MACHINES, WHICH COST TAXPAYERS MORE THAN $300 MILLION. THE PANEL FOUND WEAKNESSES THROUGHOUT ALL SYSTEMS, INDICATING MODERATE TO SEVERE FUNCTION PROBLEMS WITH THE MACHINES, INCLUDING FLAWS WITH THE OPERATION. It led to long lines during the March primary, with long waits and some people not casting a vote. Philip Stark is a UC Berkeley professor who has advised the federal election process. The most important kinds of failures to be concerned about are things that prevent people from casting a vote on election day when they show up. The grand jurors visited 22 polling places during the primary. They found security problems with the machines at schools where children had close access. They also found many short-staffed with no passcodes to start the machines. One staffer saying Dean Logan, the county registrar, gets an F. Staff chaotic, confused, and extremely upset.
2: It it, uh, underscores pretty much what you and I have been uh, reporting on and warning about now for some months. We
3: exposed some of the problems last November. Brad Friedman is a radio talk show host and journalist who's been critical of the new machines.
2: They found problems with everything and in fact uh, none of this was a secret. The Secretary of State Found uh, at least 50 problems.
3: The county registrar says they've already been working on nearly four dozen solutions identified by an outside consultant. Most of those were highlighted in this report. All that in the hopes that what happened during the primaries won't be repeated in November. I'm David Goldstein,
2: CBS 2 News. So uh, that was uh, David Goldstein, a masked and muffled uh, David Goldstein there in that report. If these sorts of problems are going on in California, absentee ballots not being counted, people being unable to vote at the polling place in California, which is supposedly famous for its wonderful voting system. If that's what's going on here, imagine what's going on around the rest of the country. And that's not all that's going on here. Uh, let me, uh, let's me let take a quick break. We'll come back with someone who is working right now to make sure that all citizens in California can actually oversee results so that we can know that they are accurate this year, including so that the president of the United States can know that. Um, but, you know, his work here in California... My guest coming up, Ray Lutz, uh, may inspire you wherever you live. Ray Lutz of CitizenSoversight.org joins us next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
1: so
2: Welcome back. It's the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Frequent guest on this program, Marilyn Marks of the Great Election Integrity and Oversight Group Coalition for Good Governance.org, the group leading the fight for hand-marked paper ballots in the state of Georgia right now in court. Uh, fighting against their wingnut Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and their former Secretary of State, now Governor Brian Kemp, she tweeted out an important thread on public oversight of our election system, particularly amid the COVID crisis in which vote-by-mail is now being radically expanded across the country for November's more critical-than-ever general elections. She writes, I'm increasingly concerned that neither party is doing anything meaningful to make the elections both defensible and contestable. Neither party appears to be putting robust watching efforts in place to approve or challenge mail ballot operations. There seems to be no meaningful effort to observe or gather evidence of proper processing or challenge improper processing of the mail ballots. Instead, she writes, the efforts I see by parties are to passively observe non-consequential activities, Election officials are doing their usual working overtime to block transparency, block access, block observation, work behind closed doors, etc. This, of course, plays into Donald Trump's hands, she writes, in that if he wants to claim rigging of the election, well, the Democrats will have little evidence documented to rebut that claim. She says, as far as I can tell... No concerted efforts are being made to push back on the opaque, behind-closed-doors nature of mail ballot processing. Despite decent public observation statutes in many states, no one seems interested in making the election defensible. That said, she adds, since there is little interest in such verification, I have to assume that the parties and candidates do not consider it a risk. Also, in Georgia, the vendors have taken over the election at every possible place, she says. No one cares. Essential functions are being outsourced to dozens of for-profit corporations without accountability, even mail ballot processing, where corporations are acting as election officials. She says, will Georgia next let Goya Foods or MyPillow or Ben and Jerry's run the elections? Ridiculous. Well, it's ridiculous indeed. And while Trump is pretending that all absentee ballots are fraudulent, even though he illegally cast one himself in the state of Florida earlier this year, Illegal because he does not have a legal residence there from which to vote in the Sunshine State, which uh, U.S. Congressman Steve Watkins, Republican of Kansas, just last week was indicted in Kansas. Three felonies and one misdemeanor charge. Charges that will hopefully be brought by Florida at some point against Donald Trump for committing the exact same crime, the exact same voter fraud. But I digress. Well, Trump is doing that. There is little effort on the ground to assure that the election is, as Marilyn Mark says, they're defensible and provable. Here in California, however, a group of election integrity advocates are doing just that, or at least trying to. As led by longtime San Diego uh, election integrity advocate Ray Lutz, co-founder of CitizensOversight.org, Uh, Ray has been pushing for years and, in fact, winning in court for the right of the public to oversee post-election audits and to include in those audits a sampling of all of the ballots that come in, not just those cast on or before Election Day. Or that arrive, uh, I should say, by the close of polls on Election Day. He's gone to court to argue that the 1% post-election Audit The spot check, the sample of ballots that are supposed to be audited in the state of California, uh, in in other words, examined publicly by hand counting, uh, that all of the ballots should be included in that pool. We shouldn't just rely on those that come in before Election Day. Well, uh, he was successful in that lawsuit to get that done a few years ago in San Diego, but then the Democratic Secretary of State, Alex Padilla, basically instructed county registrars across the state to that, you know, late ballots coming in could be ignored when creating their supposedly random sample of ballots to check to make sure the results were accurate. Ray Lutz's group has now written an open letter to California Governor Gavin Newsom asking him to change the state's procedure for post election audits to include all of the ballots for the first time this year. Ray Lutz, founder of the San Diego based Citizens Oversight Project, joins us now. Welcome to the broadcast, Ray Lutz.
1: Thank you, Brad. I appreciate being on the air. And and, uh, I will go along with Marilyn Marks. Uh, Basically, we can't rely upon the election officials or really anyone to do this job for us. Yeah, uh, the public has to do its own oversight of elections. No one can be trusted. Yeah, we have to do it ourselves. This is where we ha- This is where we really call on the citizenry to stand up and. And really take a look at this, because it's the most important thing we can do is to make sure these elections are sound.
2: It absolutely is. And the, the way that is done is with public oversight, not waiting for the, the voting machine companies or the election officials to tell the tell us that everything is fine or not. Uh, did I explain uh, in that quick overview of, of, of what you're hoping to do in your letter? Did I explain that accurately as far as what you are trying to get from uh, Governor Newsom before November 3rd?
1: Uh, pretty well. Uh, I- indeed, you're right. The uh, It was, well, take the clock back. Originally, not very many people voted absentee, as it was originally called, in the 1960s. They started the um, this 1% manual tally because they didn't trust the machines, mm-hmm. and that was only like 2.63% of voters. But then in the 90s, it became uh, a standard here that you could become a permanent absentee or vote by mail voter Mm -hmm. and with no excuse and then by 2005 it went up to 40 percent when secretary of state then deborah bowen said enough is enough we've got to get these included in the audit they weren't including any of them then Mm. so that was a, a law that was passed then and uh then we noticed in 2016 10 years later that um in san diego they were not including the later arriving vote by mail ballots those are the ones that weren't fully processed they could have arrived before election day mm-hmm. but they weren't fully processed by that that uh, uh close of polls on election day and they weren't including any of those we asked uh michael vu the registrar here in san diego to include them and he, he refused took them to court and we won but then they passed a, a, a sort of a secret bill ab 840 that made it then legal and covered his butt to to let make it so that he wasn't <laughs> violating anything, mm-hmm. uh, and made it so that they can ignore all of the vote by mail ballots. But here's the thing: the later ones. Here's the thing: is that in this election, we're going to have not just sixty-six percent of the uh, voters voting by mail, but maybe ninety percent or more. Right. And if more than half of them are not, because people the voters wait till the last minute to vote. Uh, they tend to vote on election day or, mm-hmm. or post-market on election day. And as you said, they're supposed to they have 17 days now to process it.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but essentially, um, there's a big slug that comes in later. Way, way more than half, more about 60 to 70% are later vote-by-mail ballots. Now, none of those are going to be covered by the audit. And if 90% of people are voting by mail, that means more than half, a majority, are not being audited now. Uh, that means that they can, and this has been demonstrated several times, just by going into the central tabulator and talk about risk, they can just move ballots 10,000, 20,000 at a time from one candidate to another. And then, uh, you know, and no, no, no one would be the wiser because they wouldn't have that check.
2: No possible. one would ever know. There, there is no way to oversee that the uh, results are accurate for hundreds of thousands. Actually, at this point, I I think we would be talking about millions of ballots. You explain, uh, Ray Lutz, in your uh, press release announcing this letter to Governor Newsom, uh, you you, uh, suggest we could be looking at an quote, audit catastrophe. And you explained by way of example that there were some 285,000 ballots left out of the pool of of this uh, potential audit in 2016 uh, down in San Diego just because they were late arriving. 285,000 that nobody would ever look at. And that was before California decided to send Ballots, vote by mail ballots to all active voters this year. We're talking about a huge number of ballots here that may never be looked at by any human being, Uh, and that I mean this this we're 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 telegraphing bad guys if they want to flip an election exactly how to do it, aren't we?
1: Yes, Uh, and in that election it was a later vote by mail, as you said, two hundred eighty-five thousand ballots unaudited. And in that election, Bernie Sanders only lost in San Diego County by 16,000 votes. Mm -hmm. Those could be easily hit amongst the 285,000 unaudited votes. And we thought they were. So that's why we tried to get the ballots. Now, this election, as you said, we're not a battleground state. But remember, the popular vote is always a big issue in the presidential election. And... If you remember last time, Trump and so forth made a big deal about the illegal voter fraud and that all these mm-hmm. three million illegals were voting. Mm-hmm. So we have to have our act together for this election to defend against those claims. Yep. If we do what we're doing right now, we're going to have up to six million ballots that are completely unaudited and can be flipped. Six million votes is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so we need to have this change. Yeah. What I'm asking for people to do is come to our website at citizensoversight.org. Go to the first link that you see on the page, and go to the presidential uh, to the governor's letter. Mm-hmm. It has instructions there about how to contact your representative in California, contact the governor. Really, anybody can do this, and you know, nationally, this is uh, not a non-issue in other states. Right. Any state that expands their their um, vote by mail or absentee voting right now probably is not auditing those ballots. Right. And and so this is something that we need to even though we're focused right now on California, we need to extend our focus and people that are in other states. I know your show reaches widely. Mm -hmm. We need to look at those other states and see when what their auditing situation is, and make sure that they include the vote by mail and absentee votes in the audit as well. We need to do this across the nation, especially in those like top six eight, you know, truly battleground states where this is going to be a huge a chance for the Republican Party to try to, you know, manipulate it, as we know they're, they're uh, to be intended to do, mm-hmm. setting this up for, you know, they've been setting up vote-by-mail as, as something that can't be relied upon.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I know Marilyn Marks doesn't uh, like vote-by-mail as much as I do. I like it mainly because it is hand-marked paper ballots. Mm-hmm. We're not using machines here that can be audited. The funny thing is, even though they're getting hand-marked paper ballots that can be audited, they're not doing it. Yeah. They're not auditing those ballots. Doesn't yeah. that sound suspicious to you? <laughs> well, it,
2: it sounds very uh, dangerous to me, and it sends a very clear message, uh, frankly, to bad guys, that if you do want to flip the election, here's how you can do it and never get caught. And the irony, one of the ironies here is that California... Uh, that you're, uh, uh, you know, fighting to change their procedure here, California is often cited as having one of the better post-election audit procedures. Other states do none at all. These ballots are completely 100% counted by computers and never checked by any human beings. So if if it's this easy to game the system in California, imagine what it is like uh, elsewhere. Uh, Ray, I've got just a minute or two here. Does, does uh, Governor Newsom actually have the power uh, to do this via executive order if he chooses can he say that all ballots must be included in the pool of uh, uh, of, of ballots to be uh, randomly sampled for uh for auditing to make sure that they're uh, uh, counted accurately
1: well he did the executive order to um, prompt the, the the state to go mm-hmm. toward sending an absentee ballot to every voter now, that was challenged by the Republicans in court, and they said you didn't have the power to do that, and so they passed the law very quickly through the legislature. So if they can do that within lickety-split time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, he can w- do this and, and basically undo the mistake of this AB 840 that made it Ill- that made it legal to disregard all these ballots to begin with. That never should have been done. We can thank Alex Padilla again for <sighs> doing that, and Dean Logan also in Los Angeles for uh, pushing... For that gut for gutting our audit process here but you're right in most states it, 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 their audit process is usually far worse than, than California but not in all cases some are okay um, we, we need to constantly be watching them throughout this audit process whatever it is watch the random draw make sure it's done fairly and uh, like in Florida they, they, they choose only one contest. To audit. Mm -hmm. You know, what does it wind up being? Probably a judgeship, you know, ridiculously immaterial contest (laughs) uh, instead of something that's really important. Right. But watching that draw is is really the most important thing there. That only takes a few minutes. Go there. Watch the draw. Make sure it's done correctly. At least that gives them a, a risk of that. They can't change. Uh, you know, maybe the contests they're focused on. And by the way,
2: yeah, you're, you're down there in San Diego, uh, Ray, where your uh, registrar is Michael Vu. Michael Vu was thrown out of Cuyahoga County, Ohio, basically for back in 2004 when they tried to do what amounted to a, a, a random sample. It was discovered that his office had pre-counted all the ballots, had pre-chosen and then pretended to choose a random sample that they knew would match up for the 2004 presidential election. This stuff matters, and it requires everyone uh, to get on board. I'm short on time. I got to get out, Ray, so let me point folks to citizensoversight.org. You can read that letter to Governor Newsom and make your own in your own state. Fight like hell uh, this November. Voting is not enough. Ray, I got to get out. Thank you, brother, for all you do, and we'll give you more time next time, I hope.
1: Thank you, Brad. Probably.
2: All right. Thanks. Uh, quick break. And we're back with our closing few minutes on the Brad. Oh, no, we're not. We got to get out. That's how late we're running. Okay. Thank you. Sorry about that. Uh, my thanks to uh, Ray Lutz of CitizensOversight.org, and to Desi Doyen, our producer, and to my board operator, Kiana Williams. I'm so sorry for running late. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it anytime for free at Bradblog.com. Uh, that's made possible by those of you who support our work at bradblog.com slash donate. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. That's it. We will see you there. Until we see you right back here, I hope, tomorrow with another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.